Welcome to the Hometown Hero Outdoors Podcast. Here is your host, Chris Tatro. All right, welcome back, everyone. Happy Wednesday. This is the Hometown Hero Outdoors Podcast. Today we have a podcast regarding Team Montana and Jeff Sexton. And we have the state team lead that's up in Montana, uh, as well as Jeff Carl here. Recently, there was a hunt that was conducted in Montana for elk. And then they had some other species uh, that they were able to pursue as well. And Rogue Productions went out there. Dale won't be joining us tonight because Lunchbox is apparently sick and can't make it. So uh, we'll just give him a hard time without him being here, which is what we normally do anyway. So um, with that, I'm going to introduce Sean. Sean, if you want to uh, discuss who you are as a state team lead up in Montana, uh, maybe a little bit about what your background is and what attracted you to come over to HHO and put together this hunt for Jeff. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yes, my name is Sean. I am the state lead for Montana. Uh, fairly new. Been doing it probably for now for about eight months. <laughs> um, prior to me, Montana wasn't with HHO, so we kind of need someone to get it up and started. Uh, originally, I reached out just looking for an uh, organization to be a part of with the thought of you know being a field staff, maybe taking some vets out on fishing and hunting trips. And this opportunity kind of fell on my lap. Um, my background is I'm an Army vet. I did a few years in the Army, 03 to 06. Um, I guess the, why I got involved with HHO is for me personally, you know, I live, I always live in mountainous states for 13 years prior to moving here to Montana. A couple of years ago, I was in Colorado. Then I relocated my family here. Um, and for me, you know, I, I'm just constantly outside, be it hunting, fishing, hiking, you name it. And I know the therapeutic benefits I get from being outside and outdoors, you know, not just hunting, just being outside for me. And I, I know the, the benefits I've reaped from it. And I know that there's other guys out there who are in my same, same shoes, could definitely benefit just from some outdoors time. And I also know that any hunter, you know, bucket list is elk, a mountain hunt. And I have some skill sets that I thought I could bring to the table and offer some of those hunts to those people. So kind of, uh, you know, I speak with Chris Ehrman. He got me into the position and we pitched the idea of an elk hunt and, you know, making it a week long elk hunt. So, so whoever won that trip really had an opportunity to, to maximize our opportunity. Um, originally when we set out for this elk hunt, we, we were thinking about a wall tent, but, uh, I was able to secure a, an amazing cabin out in the mountains, and we ended up making that our, our, our base home for the week. That's a pretty unique place that you had there, too. I got to see a handful of the photos. So, Are you originally from Montana? I'm not. I'm originally from the East Coast, but I left pretty much as soon as I could when I joined the Army and haven't looked back since. Yeah, no, you're in God's country. I'm pretty jealous. I uh, was actually out in western Montana in 2017 for some wildland fires we ended up bumping around uh i think between lincoln and i think it ended up in trout creek area i think that's up by you isn't it yeah it's not too far yeah definitely yeah, some, no shortage of fires no beautiful country but uh yeah i remember ermin originally coming to the board about this elk hunt and what they wanted to do and to make it successful but also the different intricacies that are involved with it too and um Part of that was to ensure that the individual that we had put in for it was not only a, a biography-based drawing for that individual or handpicked uh, based on their experiences in their life and what they've been through in their profession, but also that to ensure that they're going to make it there. I know that's always a concern that we have with the HHO stuff is people canceling last minute. And I think you guys ended up putting uh, a unique situation that we did, but to ensure that Jeff was going to make it there, Jeff Sexton. And um, he had to put down a deposit for his license and with the organization, but was reimbursed by contract just to make sure that he was going to be able to make it through that hunt and get there and not back out and end up having to uh, do all of the planning over again for the next person. So it was kind of a unique thing, but it seemed to have worked pretty well because Jeff went. So <laughs> with that, though, uh, thanks for all the planning, Sean. Um Let's get right into introducing Jeff here. Jeff was uh, selected. Could you, uh, Sean, talk about the selection process real quick? And then after that, Sean, if you want to introduce yourself. I'm sorry, Sean, introduce yourself. Then Jeff, 
Jeff will introduce himself after Sean talks about the selection process. Yeah, the the selection process was probably one of the hardest choices I've ever had to make. So like you said, for this trip, it was a little unique, and we did ask all the applicants to write a letter, pretty much just stating what, what this trip would mean to them. And I think all in all, we had 30, 35 applicants. Um, and for me, I guess the hard part was, you know, just narrowing it down to one. I would, would have loved to take everybody. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I wanted somebody was definitely a hunter. I really didn't want this to be anyone's first hunting trip. I was looking for somebody who really wanted it to be like their bucket list trip. Um, I needed somebody who was physically able to be able to do the trip because, you know, there was no shortage of hiking at, at elevation in the mountains. I was also looking for somebody where this would be like their first time ever elk hunting. Um, you know, so I took all those factors in and it kind of helped me sort through some of those applications. And at the end of the day, you know, Actually, coincidentally, Jeff was the first submission I received. And right off the bat, I was like, wow, I, I want to take this guy. And as kept reading those applications, Jeff was really just sticking out to me still. And at the end of the day, you know, he really was. We've all put our time in, into the service, be it law enforcement, you name it. We've all volunteered. Um, so it really put us on a level playing field. But for me, for Jeff, he was just a guy. You know, he put his 20 years in the Army. He was a he did his, you know, his 20 years, he was busy with that responsibility. When he got out, he was busy, you know, tending to the house, taking care of his family, you know, doing what we all have to do. He's just somebody he always wanted to make to the mountains, make it on an elk hunt, but never knew anybody out there to help guide him or get the process started. Um, you know, and I went through some of, we became Facebook friends and just seeing uh, his passion for the outdoors. He's constantly posting photos, you know, of being out there with his dogs um, constantly being out there with his, his, uh, family hunting. And it's just something about him that said, you know, that's, that's the guy I want to take. And that, that didn't change the whole process. It just, and I couldn't be more glad we did choose Jeff. He was just the right guy for, for the trip. And, and it all worked out great. Yeah. I see a lot of the, uh, banter between you guys and it seems like you guys got pretty comfortable with each other. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's good though. I mean, that's a friendship that you guys will forge that'll last forever. And, Jeff, uh, you're out in Michigan then, right? Northwest Wisconsin. Northwest Wisconsin, close enough to Michigan, right? Sure. <laughs> well, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone about your background, who you are, where you came from, and uh, what got you motivated to put in for this trip? Sure. My name is Jeff. Um, I'm from Northwest Wisconsin here. Uh, I enlisted in the Army at 17. Um Did 20 years, and, um, you know, I retired back here in Wisconsin as a recruiter, so that worked out kind of handy. You know, I was able to retire running the recruiting station that I enlisted through. and um, That's pretty unique. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it sure had its benefits being able to kind of be here and get, do a little networking and stuff as, as opposed to, you know, retiring from the other side of the world and coming back home. And, and then now what, you know, but. Yeah, you know, there wasn't ever a whole lot to do besides outdoor-type things in northwest Wisconsin. So uh, that's just what I grew up doing, and that's what my passion's always been, you know. And um, What are those and like outdoor John, passions you got there? They said you got some hounds? Yeah, they've kind of consumed my life. I used to do a lot more things other than chasing them dogs around the country. That, uh, but uh, they get to be kind of time-consuming, so... Mostly they're bear dogs. Um, we do a little bit of bobcat and coyote chasing through the winter, but um, just to kind of keep them in shape. Uh, I won't claim to have real cat dogs, but um, they kind of do it. But mostly they're bear dogs, and we run with some other stuff with them just to kind of keep them in shape. Also got one other. What's that? Sorry, I was just going to tell for the listeners, you know, in Wisconsin they have some unique uh, type of bear hunting. You know, the state of Minnesota you can – you can uh, hunt bears over bait. In Wisconsin, you can't. Uh, you use dogs specifically and only dogs. So it's a little more unique for that part of the country. So a lot of the hunters over there will use them. Plus, like I said, for using for cats. Um, they do that in Minnesota, too. They'll run for bobcats and stuff. But yeah. it's, uh, it's a lot of work and a lot of investment in those animals, those dogs. It is. Like I said, it's it's life-consuming. <laughs> Jeff, I what kind of dogs are you? 
What was that? What kind of do- what kind of dogs are they? Um, mostly mutts. Uh, they're mostly plot and walker crosses. I have, I think, I actually have one purebred dog right now, and she's a plot, and the rest are plot walker crosses, which has just kind of come to be my favorite strain is a plot walker cross. A plot's kind of a gritty dog. Walker's kind of got a colder nose and a little bit, a little more of a thinker. That's just my opinion. I probably just enraged a bunch of hound guys who feel exactly the opposite, but <laughs> everybody's got right. their opinion, but that's, that's my favorite strain. I assume you run some pretty fancy GPS collars on those animals too, right? Oh yeah. When I first started, I had one coon hound and she hunted pretty close and I didn't have a GPS collar till I forget what year it was. Um, but once I got one, I was, I, I would never turn the dog loose without one. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to disclose for fear my wife might hear. <laughs> the amount, the amount of calling I have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Per stat. Bargain bin stuff. Yeah. Yep. Get them on sale Black Friday, 20 bucks. Right. No, those, uh, those collars are pretty amazing what they can do for your animals and tracking them. And you can see how much ground you've actually covered and see how they work on a map pretty cool yeah it's it's pretty cool well so uh, other outdoor activities is there anything else that yeah i mean i've been a trapper been a trapper my whole life i got well it's also a hound activity i guess but i also um uh, i guess at some point i decided i didn't like to hunt deer myself too much so i started tracking deer for other people tracking wounded deer with a dog i got a dog trained for that so yeah, that's huge. That now. Yeah, that consumes any free time that I that I might squander away on hunting myself <laughs> through yeah. archery season. So, do you do it for a rate? Do you get paid? Um, just kind of based on um, how far I have to travel. You okay. know. Yeah. I think that's a pretty cool thing, though. They just legalized that here in Minnesota a couple years ago, and I think it's nice yeah. that people can actually you know have a little bit more of a chance of finding their game. Yeah, I don't. I. There's, I think there's one or two states left in the union that do not, uh, where it's still illegal. And for the life of me, I just can't understand why you would criminalize something that, you know, would maximize somebody's chances of actually recovering their game. I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I agree. I know, I know some of the things that I've heard was I felt that if you did not have an injured animal or was not a good shot, that it was heightening your chance of being able to take that animal. It wasn't fair chase, which I understand that side in the event. Yeah, that I happens, see what they're it's saying. It's a, a pretty rare thing to see though. I think. Yeah. I mean, if you can, I mean, there's some States where you don't have to have your dog on a leash and, uh, you know, then you can run down a pretty healthy deer, you know, but, um, I mean, there's certainly guys that can run a lot faster than me behind a dog on a leash, but, if I can catch up to a dog, if I can catch up to a deer, um, right. it's pretty sick, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's it's a whole different world that people don't see in the hound side of things. And I know that keeps hound owners pretty busy when they start running dogs. But yeah. So what got you interested in this trip, uh, heading out to Montana, hit the mountains and go hunting with Sean and Jeff? Well, it's, it's like Sean kind of said, it's uh definitely something i always have wanted to do um was always something that was just kind of out of my out of my reach realistic to me you know realistic out of my realistic grasp kind of you know there was always a vehicle that needed a set of tires or this or that that always just uh had to take priority over it you know you know if i was to have to go the route you know getting a guide or and then just to kind of just to kind of jump in and go out myself and just blindly is just like, well, geez, it's just, what are my odds, you know, that way, you know? So that always kind of turned me off of it. But then I saw this, I was like, wow, there was no way I was not going to throw my hat in the ring. At least I sure didn't, uh, you know, I sure didn't really expect to be selected or anything like that. But I said, oh, for sure, I'll take a chance on it. Well, it's a good chance, you know, and you get to go meet some pretty awesome stuff. I know the outcome of the trip wasn't bringing home an elk, but you got to meet some pretty cool stuff and see some cool country. I sure did. You know, I, I, 
I, I, I had no complaints the whole time. Um, I think that one of the last pictures I took, though, I, I was getting gas at the uh, at uh, Rocky Mountain Supply there, just out of Townsend, and a truck pulled in with two big elk in the back of it. And I, I, I I'll tell you, that did kind of sting a little bit. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, but other than that, no, nothing but a great time. Awesome scenery, awesome people, man. I was taken care of, and yeah, certainly no complaints. Well, let's start with. Uh, I know we got Jeff sitting here. I know I, I went to Jeff and talked to Jeff Carl about heading out there for this trip. Usually, when we have a videographer head out with Rogue, we try to usually send a person on uh, the board or someone from staff with to help kind of help direct stuff. And there's a little in between about uh, thinking about the kind of shots that you want for the video and stuff like that. So um, Jeff uh, asked Jeff if he wanted to go and uh, told Jeff he needed to start getting in shape. And he uh, decided to go purchase some new equipment and try to find some hills in North Dakota. (laughs) That was kind of difficult. Yeah. I I can imagine like your, your 40 foot hill. That's actually a dike in town, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Is I, I, it's the biggest incline I could find around, so I put on my equipment and I just went up and down that thing. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but every ounce of training that I did paid off. You thought it helped? Yeah, absolutely. Except for that elevation acclimation, I'm sure it was kind of difficult. You know, we weren't all that high, were we, Sean? I mean, what, 6,500 maybe? Tops? Yeah, I think as far as hiking goes, maybe we topped out at 65, 7,000. Um, you know, we drove to some higher areas just to see it, but as far as actual hunting, yeah, no more than seven. I don't remember that drive. <laughs> I wondered if you would. <laughs> Were you I sleeping on the side of the truck that was right next to the shoe? Oh, yeah, I heard that you like heights a lot. Yeah, that's that was great. <laughs> I tell you to go uh, on an elk hunt in the mountains where it's nothing but heights, and you didn't disclose that to anyone. Well, I don't mind the heights when you're on the ground, but when you've got a 400 foot cliff next to you with a, <laughs> with a muddy road and ice on it, yeah, it was uh, it was iffy. <laughs> well, Sean got to um, scouting the area before everyone came out, and from what I hear, even from some of my friends, that the elk hunting was a little different this last season it seems like they came down a little earlier than normal is that right um yeah the elk hunting you know obviously we didn't get one so it wasn't what i planned um you know i was in elk all archery season right up until about the, the time of the trip and then they just disappeared we did get one early snowstorm a pretty heavy snowstorm for us um and that definitely did got them moving around you know, put them in some places that we couldn't get them private. Uh, and then right after that snowstorm, it, it did warm back up. So we were, where, where the elk were, where anybody's guess is, uh, but yeah, kind of like you said, I, I've spoken with a few people and the harvest numbers are, are definitely down from historical averages. Um, it's just one of those years, you know, it's, it's hit or miss with elk hunting. They're either going to be there or they're not. Yeah. One of my coworkers was out in Idaho and I think that, weather event that you're talking about was right around the same time and they they ended up coming home early they went out for 10 days and they ended up spending seven or eight out there and uh it was super dry that it got super wet and just things were different and they ended up i think they were out there doing i want to say it was elk and whitetail hunting or mule deer i can't remember but anyways they ended up coming home a couple days early just because everything was different than normal which that's hunting you know that's how it goes but but you guys got the scouting going in, and then everyone started to travel out for the hunt. So we had Jeff Sexton, our hunter, coming from northwest Wisconsin, not Michigan. We had Jeff Carl headed over there from the Grand Forks area, and then Dale Moore to do the rogue production stuff coming from the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. Uh, Dale had met up with Jeff, and then you guys made the trek over there. But, Jeff, you went out there early, right? Yeah. Um, I work kind of a goofy two days on two days off three days off kind of a schedule so um i had i was off a couple days whether i wanted to be or not you know um i think i was i think i worked monday tuesday that week or something like that so i couldn't wait (laughs) i got in the truck and headed over and 
yeah, I kind of thought I'd do a little touristing on the way, but once I got going, I was like, yeah, let's just go. So, <laughs> you already get there. Yeah. I oh, think I got I there Thursday night or something like that. And then you, you and Sean went and some... North Dakota. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Camped out in a state park there on the Missouri River. Forget the oh, name cool. of it. Yeah, it was really, really nice. Western? Is that is that Western North Dakota, Jeff? Yeah, right in the middle, right north of Bismarck. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to start calling you guys Jeff 1 and Jeff 2 at this point. Imagine how it was for a week <laughs> on the trip. I can imagine. I've been <laughs> calling each other swear words. <laughs> I think it ended up being that by the end. <laughs> Well, so made the trek over early, ended up hooking up with Sean to go out and do some scouting. Is that right? Yep. Uh, Sean had to work that first day. I think it was Friday. And uh, I just kind of got out in the woods and uh, he told me that there might be some moose in this area. So I went and crawled around over there. I found some moose sign. I didn't actually get to see a moose, but spent the first half of the day doing that. And I said, well, it's time to go see some mountains and see how see how my legs and lungs are going to treat me, you know. So turned around and headed the other direction and got up into some mountains and found a little trail that looked like I could look like I could handle and climbed up there for the rest of the day. Uh, that worked out okay. I said, well, maybe maybe I won't die out here, you know. <laughs> you had to gut you and haul you out if you did. Right, yeah, so... So, yeah, that's how I spent the first day until about 4 o'clock, and I headed back down into town, and Sean was getting off work about that time. Yeah, we spent the next couple of days kind of buying supplies and uh, getting the cabin ready and looking around, doing a little scouting, a little glassing, stuff like that. And you guys came across some actual nice-looking animals uh, at one point, right? Yeah, we saw some that were borderline suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did uh, you see? Uh, were they elk? No, we saw, saw a lot of mule deer. Okay. One small mule deer bucked it. Well, he, he wanted to get in the truck bad. But, uh, <laughs> Sean said, no, it just wasn't the time. That that wasn't the buck for us. Yeah. Well, and the camera hadn't got there yet, too, and that's part of the, the topic, too, is that you know, yeah. Jeff Carl and Dale were still on the way out to you. Right. Which... I get, you know, it sucks that, I mean, you probably had an opportunity to go and take that animal, you know, but we really wanted to get something with you on the camera, but yeah, I hear you. It's that's hunting, man. There's no yeah. control. And then, so you guys started your hunt officially when Jeff and Dale got there, you know, we went up to the cabin. What did, what did those days look like? Well, it's walk us through what each day kind of looked like, you know, maybe some highs, some lows. You guys can talk back and forth amongst yourself and remind each other of these things. I'd, it's just fun to hear these stories when you guys get back. Sure. Well, I mean, we did, were, we didn't really, we, we were never, you know, climbing in the dark or anything. It usually just as it was graying up, we'd, uh, I don't know what time we wound up getting up, usually around six, something like that. So we could eat and take care of things like that and get the truck for a little truck ride and be just getting to where we wanted to be right about dawn, you know, just as it was starting to gray up a little bit. Um, most mornings we'd walk in a little ways, stock in, hunt this area, scout the, scout it out a little bit. We would spend about half a day doing that, sometimes a little later, up to the top of a mountain or something like that, depending on where we were. And uh, have a little snack up there, head back down and Afternoons were usually spent glassing some ag fields and stuff like that. And uh, that would take us right into dinner and kind of repeat the next day. Rinse, wash, repeat. Yeah, kind of. How many snack times did you have with Dale around? Well, Does he was a little concerned. Yeah. What's that? Does snack time ever end with Dale? No. <laughs> this poor guy, he's going to quit. <laughs> he was a little concerned that nobody was going to make him a sandwich the first day. You know, I think he got over that. After he, he said he got treated a lot better in Texas. He was surprised he had to make his own sandwich. Oh, yeah, <laughs> bougie. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah, I, I yelled at Dell to make a sandwich, and he didn't let me forget it every day of the trip. Um, what actually happened? I was just trying to put the 
<laughs> sandwich stuff away. And I think Dell, I, I don't know what Dell is thinking. But yeah, I think he thought I was uh, bullying him into making his own sandwich, whereas I was just trying to make sure uh, he didn't end up starving out there. You know, you try to do a good thing for a guy and it blows up in your face. But Well, he's got some reserves. He wouldn't have starved. I, I wasn't worried. It looked like he had a couple of pounds of reserve to go off of in case it all went, you know, ass end up. But, um, but no, <laughs> next time I'll make sure we have a full Subway platter ready for him. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Dale. Much kind, much kindness love coming over here. Well, I think Jeff's painting a pretty broad brush picture uh, for our day. I mean, just getting to that cabin was, as soon as we rolled into that place, it was like looking at a postcard, like stepping yeah, into yeah. a postcard. It was beautiful. You know, you walk across this little drawbridge thing with a stream and waterfall into, into this hundred-year-old log cabin, and then you walk into the cabin, and it's it's just straight-up log cabin, one room, uh, wood fire fireplace in the corner, wood stove, propane lights. It was amazing just to be there was amazing no electricity <laughs> completely off grid none so cell service poor not at the cabin there was none that's nope. awesome that was probably the best part right but, <laughs> um but yeah we'd get up in the morning and us older gentlemen would uh, probably be up a little bit earlier than the rest um well, you gotta have your morning coffee and then well, run to the outhouse. And I'm not sure Sean slept for a week with three people snoring. Oh no, <laughs> I didn't hear anybody snore. <laughs> uh, we get up and we'd make ourselves some coffee and a little bit of breakfast and just mosey around until it was time to finally take off and go to the trailhead, which was great. And that was part of the greatest thing about that cabin was it was right smack in the middle of all the trailheads where we were hunting. You know, some of the drives were less than five minutes away. Yeah. No, that's pretty, that's pretty convenient and makes your hunting, being able to get to it right away and maximize that time out there since the time is so limited. So, I mean, that, were definitely, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead and send it. Okay. I was going to say there, there are definitely a couple of days. Uh, I think that the first two days, the wind was just blowing I mean, ridiculously blowing, and uh, we became road hunters very quick. Uh, won't lie about <laughs> that. We, we we put some miles on. Um, you know, I, my my thought is, you know, being out there when the wind's just blowing every direction, we're just going to spook any game long before we see it. So we put some miles on, attempted maybe to glass some uh, herds or some some deer or elk, just trying to pinpoint where they are. Um. So not every day was grueling with hiking, but we put up with some elements for sure. I think we had wind, rain, snow. I, I don't think there was any weather we didn't come across. All right. And so when it came to um, going up in glassing, did you guys ever come across a herd, even if it was unreachable at all? I don't think we saw any elk the whole week. Oh, wow. I think... Well, it was the day they left or the day after. I'm like, oh, look, I sent them all a picture of a herd of 75 elk right there by the road. Oh, no way. That's yeah, how it you goes. Probably, you probably didn't have to send that. <laughs> <laughs> Just cried yourself to sleep later on that day. <laughs> so what about uh, the mule deer hunting? I heard there there was some mule deer that were seen throughout the actual hunt, though. Some? Got a real close look at some. Yeah. Did Besides the one that you almost hit, is that? <laughs> well, we did hit that one. We didn't almost hit it. We did hit it. <laughs> oh, I did not know that you guys hit one. I was told it was close. Oh, no, it, she lived to, to run off, to run off, but she was limping. Um, yeah, you know, we, we saw mule deer like clockwork, just not in or on uh, public land. Um, I think the one mule deer that showed its face. We were trying to get a shot on it, and it was a little bit of a further poke, and you know the shot just didn't happen. I think that was the only one Jeff ended up having in his crosshairs. Yeah, a little too close, uh, too little, too far out for comfort. Well, I just couldn't get steady on it. I, I mean, I, I practiced well beyond that range. I think Sean ranged. I think he said it was two sixty-five, and I had, you know, I was ready to shoot to four hundred if I had to. But uh, it was a really windy day, 
And uh, I just could not get steady on it. It was a pretty small buck, and I, and I told myself and I told everybody else, you know, if I can get good and steady on it and get a great shot on it, I'll take them. And it, it just, crosshairs were just all over them. I couldn't get rock solid and get what I thought was a nice, solid, clear shot. And eventually he got sick of watching me try, and he just eased on down into the ditch. And... <laughs> well, that's unfortunate, but that's, again, that's hunting, you know. Uh, were you using yeah. uh, shooting sticks or anything like that? or? Yeah, I had a bipod, and there was a there was a fence there, not a very solid one. And I did everything but crawl right out in the short grass and get in the prone. I think maybe if I maybe in retrospect, if I'd have done that, maybe the, maybe we'd have had some venison to bring back to camp. But it's part of it, though, right? Yep, yep, exactly. No, that's cool. So, what what were some of the highs or lows? Like, uh, let's point out a high and a low for each person. What was the some of the things that are going to be very memorable and some of the things that were lower, but also memorable. I know I got everyone thinking now. I'll start. Send it. <laughs> My high was just, just being out there in that country of, you know, I'm from the flatlands of North Dakota and being out there in the mountains and the wilderness and just, I, I just loved it. Um, I guess a low point for me was there was one particular day, I think it was day two, that uh, we picked the spot we were going to go to. And we looked at the onyx and we picked out a, a path we were going to go to get up to this tallest point in the area. And we we're going to glass from up there. And it was one of those really windy days. And we got about halfway there. And Sean decided to take a left straight up the mountain. And uh, and you stood there and went and said, uh-uh. I, you know, I, I, I got about halfway up, and then it started to be a uh, an involuntary reaction to the height. Oh. To where, you know, these guys would stop to take a break, and they would just stand there and look at each other and laugh and joke, and I would be sitting on my hands and knees trying to hug the mountain so I didn't want to fall down. <laughs> and like I said, it was all involuntary. And then after a while, these guys are kind of chuckling at it. And I get it. And I, I know it's kind of stupid for a 44-year-old man to be scared of heights, but it's just nothing I could control. No, and I, there, there was one certain point where we stopped, and I think it was probably close to 400 feet down and another 200 feet to finish going up. And I had to have a, a serious talk with myself about finding the courage to just stand up and go. That's so, a pretty cool story too, though. I mean, it's I not, made it. Yeah, I made it yeah. all the way up, and I, and I felt pretty good about that. Well, and you had people to your left and right, you know, giving you a hard time to help motivate you. Yeah. That probably helped. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good story too, though. I mean, it, it's overcoming adversity, you know, and especially in a situation that you didn't expect to have. That I'm sure we've all had a time where we've been uncomfortable with the situation and had to work your way through it. So that happens in the hunting world too, especially if you're from flatland country and you know, Jeff's biggest elevation change there is his front door steps. So <laughs> <laughs> how about you other guys? Any highs and lows? Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, the highs definitely outweighed the lows, but for me, I, I mean, Obviously, Jeff, you know, was was a trip winner, and my focus on him, uh, showing him a good time. But for me, I think the high was seeing three guys, four guys from four different states who never met each other, didn't know each other, come together to make this happen. And the camaraderie in the cabin, you know, swapping stories, you know, just joking, having a good time. You know, just being around four guys who, or three other guys who I could definitely see they were getting out of the trip what I wanted them to get out of the trip i could tell they were appreciating being in the mountains and they got a, a little glimpse of what my life is i guess and why i choose my lifestyle and to see them appreciate it and have an amazing time that's really what i want out of the trip and that's what uh i, I feel like i accomplished that we accomplished that um my low was definitely I, i'm so bummed that jeff didn't get an animal i didn't even get to see an elk by far by low the pressure was on me you know i spent months scouting this area it was not the area I would normally hunt. Um, 
but I needed to find an area that would be, I'd be able to, it was accessible for people coming from out of state. You know, it wasn't so grueling that uh, I'd kill everybody on the first day hiking. And I found this area and it had tons of animals in it. All, all archery season, early rifle. It's just as soon as our trip turned on it, they were gone. They were just not there. But uh, yeah, for me, the low was definitely Jeff going home empty handed. You know, and there's something to be said about, you know, our individuals who do put on these trips do invest a lot into not only the time and the effort to put into that, but also mentally with wanting to have a very successful hunt. And sometimes that can be really hard when it doesn't turn into one, but it's still a win overall in the long run based on the relationships built. But it does speak very loudly about the the volunteer field staff that we do have in the organization, just their passion for sharing what they know in their backyard, essentially. I know, like, I tell people time and time again, I'd rather take you out hunting and fishing and be successful than me doing it on my own. Like, doing that stuff on my own is fun, but getting to bring someone else out to do that and share that passion and hopefully have a successful hunt, but then also just being able to spend time with buddies, friends, family, whatever it be, um, is, is obviously one of the best mental healing things that you can do in the outdoors and why we do what we do here at our organization. So certainly appreciate all the time and effort you put into everything. You know, it's a lot of work and maybe we can get some redemption, get Jeff back out there another time and put some milk on the ground, hopefully. But that'd be uh sure pretty so. awesome to do. Yeah. Did you uh do any other elk hunting this last year, Sean, or did you have any other success? Um, you know, I shot a a deer last week, uh just you know a freezer filler. But during my archery season, that same year we hunted, I called in several different different bulls um throughout the archery season. And again, being picky, I, I did pass on a couple of smaller ones, and I did call an absolute monster of a bull into 30 yards, and he just had me pinned down a, behind a tree, and I could not get a shot off. But, uh, you know, I had elk screaming every weekend, talking back and forth to him, calling him in. Um, I, I've had a great – you know, I, I don't measure my hunting season based off of what I put in the freezer. It kind of really just based them off the memories, the time. You know, even every hunting season, you don't get one. There's still plenty of things to learn from it, you know. So uh, constant learning experience. Um, you definitely learn more with the ones you don't get than the ones you do get, I think. But, uh, no, I can't complain. I've had a great season. And I, and I still – we still have shoulder season here for elk, so I'll still be out there uh, chasing cow elk now um, when I'm not chasing pheasants. So mix cool. it up a little bit. The license that Jeff had – the elk hunt out there which one was that and is it is it pretty rare for him to get a license like he did no it's called the general uh elk and deer license so pretty much um as a non-resident statistically you're not going to draw it every year but i did i'm kind of a statistics geek i always look at prior years draw results and whether people use points or not to get them and going into the Montana draw, you had the option to buy buy a point at the time you put in for the draw. But Montana's kind of weird in that they also have to allocate so many of those tags that they give out to people with zero points. And looking at the statistics, they had a higher chance of drawing the elk tag, elk deer tag with zero points than if he was to go out and put and to purchase that one extra point. And that was all just kind of depending on how many people were to put in for the actual draw that year. So I did have them roll the dice a little bit and elect not to purchase the extra preference point. And in the end, it, it, we lucked out and it worked out. And I looked at the stats again, and this year it just happened to be one of those years where, you, again, you had a higher chance of drawing with zero points than you did with one point. Um, so, that, like I said, it was a little bit of a, a gamble, but but it paid off. Um Whereas, you know, the, the increase of hunters coming in, more people moving into the area, um, it, there's definitely more hunters out there. So, you know, just by doing a little bit of homework, looking at statistics and draw odds, you can definitely, you know, help yourself or hurt yourself, regardless of what state you're in. Um, you know, if you do a little bit of homework up front, it can pay off. And, and it did, because otherwise we would have had to wait a whole nother year for this trip to happen. Yeah, it's... Uh... Pretty awesome when you got some boots on the ground that can kind of learn the system and understand it and be able to communicate that with people. 
in order to Dude. make a, a hunt happen. Dude. I'd have no idea even where to start. Yeah, Montana, to look at the regulations, is like you're... <laughs> it's a, I don't know, it's like just opening a dictionary and randomly trying to read it like a book or something. It's uh, It's pretty baffling. Yeah, it takes time to understand that, that's for sure. I know the reg books never get smaller. Right. They only get bigger. Yeah. Cool. So, Jeff, what are some highs and lows on your side of things for the trip? Ah, uh, like everybody else said, I mean, just the definitely the scenery. I mean, it's nothing short of spiritual, you know, <laughs> uh, being up on the mountaintops and them views and stuff. That was just, just incredible. There's, there's not words for it. Pictures don't do it justice, you know, but when you're standing there, it's like, wow, you know, there's just, there just isn't words for that. I mean, I mean, I guess the closest thing to a low, which I never, you know, I wouldn't even call it a low, but for sure. I mean, you know, that last day, the weather was still not, it was the last day Friday or whatever. And the wind was just howling and ripping and, just kind of knowing that you know this is not gonna be probably a very productive day as far as pounds of meat in the cooler so but you know i didn't consider it a low but if i had to pick a low you know there was there's a few hours that day where i was like yeah shit this we probably ain't gonna get anything you know <laughs> some last ditch efforts saw a few but um yeah that's that was the closest thing to a low. If I had to choose something, you know. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's tough. How about that snow event that you guys had? It snowed pretty good at the end, towards the end of the hunt, didn't it? Uh, it snowed that one day. We were thinking it might be enough to actually influence the hunting a little bit, but um, turns out it only snowed till about noon or something and um, actually kind of burnt off pretty quick. We, it would have been a big snow. It probably would have helped us out quite a bit, but Carly, that wind on the last day turned into something crazy. Just came think, whipping. Yeah. What, what was it? 80 mile an hour gusts or something that day we all left. That's pretty significant. It was Jeff, insane. Were you going to say something about that snow, Jeff Carl? Well, I was just going to say, I think that was, if it's the one you're thinking of, it happened like Wednesday, so it was right in the middle. And that particular okay. that particular hunt that, that we started off in the morning, I think I experienced all four seasons. Like, we started out and it was windy, so I was cold. So I put another layer on and we got going and then I was hot, so I took that off. And then, it, oh, is that a raindrop or is that a snowflake? Yep. And then pretty soon I had my Gore-Tex <laughs> covered in snow. It was crazy, wow. but it was beautiful. Huh. that's pretty cool well yeah gentlemen uh i mean is there anything else that you'd like to add or talk about with the trip i know we're coming up on about 43 minutes here but uh if there's anything else you want to discuss or talk about or your experiences feel free to share it's... i'll i'll talk about um well, i'll just start with sean like for being his first trip i mean he did fantastic obviously he talked about all the all the legwork he put in prior to it. I mean, we all know what that's about, but this is a different animal when you're talking about elk hunting. You got to put months of planning into this. Um, but just, just, it wasn't just Sean either. It was, it was his family's hospitality. We went there and his wife made us lunch one day and did our laundry, and his father in law was there, and that man's a hoot. Love that guy. Um, just the hospitality of the whole family was second to none. Um, and I know I've been on the, in the situations where you feel the pressure of not being, of not, not being successful. I get it. Like I've, I've had people out in my boat trying to get them on fish and then you don't see any and I'll start going in scramble mode. Right. He didn't even let that show through once, even though I knew he was going through it. He didn't let it show. So first, his, his first trip, Hundred percent winner. I, I yeah, exactly. Coming out of Montana, we just need five more of him. Yeah, the exact same for, guy for his valley, and then multiply that by five hundred because that's how many valleys there are. Yeah, it's a it's a big state. Not enough people. Not enough people that we can 
get to to help volunteer with you guys out there. You're so spread out. No, but yeah, I definitely it, can't definitely can't say enough about that. I mean, hundred percent red carpet treatment. I mean, I was just humbled the whole trip, you know, by everything that everybody did. And it was, yeah, definitely a definitely a life life experience. You know, I I, I can't say enough about it. You know. Also, got to give a big shout out to my family for taking care of everything while I was while I was gone, and taking care of all my animals and all that stuff. And, um, like the one that's trying to like eat your face for the last ten minutes. Yeah, yes, that's Maple. That's the deer tracking dog. She's <laughs> she has special for privileges. Attention. Yeah, she has special privileges. The other ones are outside. And that's okay. Ready for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, I got to give a shout out to my buddy, Eric Winter, a guy that, uh, used to be in Milwaukee recruiting battalion. He, uh, he retired out there in Montana running, uh, I think it was called the Yellowstone recruiting company. I think I'm not sure. Anyway, he's in Billings now and he kind of, kind of e-guided me to another area to try on my way home. I tried, uh, one last swing in Eastern Montana to try and put some, put some game down. He kind of recommended a place to go that had a lot of public land so gotta gotta give a big shout out to eric and say thank you for that yes thank you eric i really appreciate it sean did you have any uh final remarks that you wanted to discuss um you know the whole trip yeah obviously we didn't harvest one but i i do consider it a success i mean we had a great time Definitely. great group of guys you know my family's happy to open the door for such a good cause. Um, you guys kind of touched on it too. There are amazing opportunities here in Montana for be it fishing, hunting, hiking, camping, climbing, horseback riding, you name it. Um, but uh, you know, getting to spend some time with, with Jeff and Dale, kind of educating me on some more opportunities that I didn't even think about in our state. Um, but yeah, then hit the nail on the head. I just need more people, you know, so many awesome things going on out here. If I can get a, uh, keep building the field staff up here, uh, get more involvement. There's so many opportunities here. I mean, Montana is really just an untapped resource for HHO, and I'd really like to see it utilized to its full capabilities. And, I, and I'm sure it's going to happen. It's going to just take some time and grinding and just right. growing that interest here. Um, you know, I'm just one of a million other mountain hunters. You know, I, I'm not the best hunter in the world by any means. I know there's much more experienced, knowledgeable uh, hunters that I would love to have uh, as part of HHO so they could take these guys out and uh, give them more successful trip. But um, other than the lack of success, I couldn't be more happy with how it all came together. The cabin sure. rental, or the cabin donation, I should say, um, you know, the donations we received from local businesses. No, I, I think it went off without a hitch. All of our personalities, Jive, we, we had a great time. Um, yeah, I, I look forward to doing it again. That's awesome. Noah, thank you for all your time and dedication out there. Do you have any other, other field staff that are in Montana right now? Just you? We do have a few. Um, I only have three so far. And two of them, they're, they're several hours away, having had the opportunity to meet them. I just had a new one uh, join East Helena. Um, the biggest thing is my few field staffers, uh, they're not from here. Maybe one's from here, so... Limited resources there, but I think we get the right people who know people and have maybe better marketing abilities and better connections than I do. We're going to start seeing it grow. It's just a matter of reaching out and finding those right people. Yeah, so uh, for our listeners out there, too, you know, if you know anyone that's in Montana that would be interested in helping out its field staff, please uh, share this podcast and our information with them. You know, and feel free to reach out to Sean himself, too, and his email it's pretty simple. It's at Montana. It's Montana at hometownherooutdoors.org. Or you can even just message our, our, our contact us on our website at www.hometownherooutdoors.org. Reach out on social media or any other way, uh, uh, any other way that you can find, but we can get you in contact with Sean, but definitely if you're in Montana and you're interested um, or know someone that's in Montana, please send them our way and, Sean can help them out with the process and looks at that and try to vet them to make sure that they're a good fit. So, but yeah, Sean, we really appreciate everything you guys did. Jeff Sexton, happy to have met you. So I haven't met you physically in person yet, but get to know you through our chat. Yeah. 
and then uh, Jeff Carl for going out and helping out and help facilitate with supporting Sean and with Rogue and everything. I think that's very instrumental. And then for the listeners too, the uh, this hunt actually will be uh, on video. It'll be pretty similar to the main moose hunt video that we had that was just 15 minutes long. Um, a little bit more of a new format to HHO, trying to make some more things like television-like with the 15-minute videos to help tell more of a story and what happens not only when they show up for the hunt but throughout the hunt and then also share some people's stories. So any last closing comments, gentlemen? Just can't say thank you enough to everybody involved. I mean, that was a huge, huge deal. Uh, um, I'm not great at expressing my feelings, but, man, it's – <laughs> I appreciate it more than you can ever know. You know, it's it was really I got nothing bad to say. I've been a guide, you know, it's been kind of touched on, but you know, I I've been a guide and I know what the pressure's like and I'm I've been a hunter my whole life and I know there's other ways to measure success than dead animals on the ground, man. I had nothing but a great time, so mission accomplished then, right? Hit the Absolutely. Reset yep. Yeah. Great time, and uh, you know, I told you guys, I'll tell you again, it's an open invite. Be at an HHO event, if any of you guys ever want to come back, more than welcome out here. You know, put up a tent or a camper in the backyard, or we'll see if we can't get a cabin again. Maybe you know, next time get some stuff on the ground, but it's an open invite. Oh, sweet, cool, Jeff Carl. Anything else? <clears throat> I just want to say it was a pleasure meeting you both in person. Um, had a great time, that was a great week that I will never forget. Cool. Happy to share the woods with you guys. Yeah, no, thanks for all the work again, Sean, for the trip, Jeff, for being there in your service, and Jeff Carl for your help as well. So, But that closes it out for today. Uh, And again, uh, if you're feeling like you're in a rough patch or a downtime and you need to reach out to someone, please feel free to reach out to any of us here at Hometown Hero Outdoors, or you can call the crisis line at 988 it is a new shortened version of that. So please feel free to reach out to any of us and we will assist as best as we can, or you can reach out to that hotline. So, but with that, that'll close out today's podcast. Thank you gentlemen for joining us. And as Dan Meyer would say, we'll see you out on the water or in the woods. Thank you for listening to the hometown hero outdoors podcast. For more information about Hometown Hero Outdoors, visit our webpage at www.hometownherooutdoors.org.